Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone. I'd like to introduce Connor Boyack. He is an author, creator of the Tuttle Twins, and founder of the Libertas Institute, which is a, which is an award-winning free market think tank. So welcome, Connor. Thanks for having me. So, you know, the Tuttle Twins, I mean, this is a, you've sold over 4 million copies of this, and it's teaching young readers about economic, political, and civic principles. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about these books? And this program? Sure. So, yeah, the Tuttle's books are designed for families to have conversations about ideas that matter, uh, ideas that frankly aren't being taught in most schools uh, anymore. Things like entrepreneurship, personal responsibility, hard work, free markets, private property rights. Uh, these ideas that are the backbone of our American uh, country and system of law, and yet are increasingly being ignored in classrooms across the country. So the Tuttle Twins are all uh, children's books for varying ages. We have uh, toddlers to teens to teach about these kind of classical, liberal, free market, founding father type ideas. And uh, we've been doing it for seven or eight years and it's just exploded, Uh, especially with homeschooling just going bonanzas and so many more people doing it now. And with the world kind of going crazy, a lot of families are on on the hunt for material that they can use in the home to help their kids learn truth and uh, have kind of a foundation of critical thinking to push back against all the crazy that's out there. And so that's what the Tuttle Twins is. It's, it's for uh, parents and kids to kind of read together, have discussions and talk about these ideas and what it means in our, our world today. That's great. I mean, we have, there's been such a gap in the educational system. I mean, both with public schooling and resources for homeschoolers. So I really love that this is something that you've put together. Um, You just had a new book come out. You want to tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, I, uh, I've long felt like we do a poor job at teaching American history. Uh, I said that as a former public school student who hated learning history and <laughs> hated memorizing what date, what document was signed and when these battles happened and who wrote a letter to who and who said what. And it never seemed to matter, never seemed relevant. Uh, none of my teachers, none of my textbooks uh, ever really connected the dots between you know 250 years ago and today. So a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, our team went and bought a whole bunch of history, like social studies textbooks that are being used in most of the schools across the country. And what we were trying to do is to validate my theory that things haven't really changed since young Connor was in the school. These textbooks still follow this same format of teaching history very superficially, just all random factoids and the chronology of all these things happened and then these things and then these and then these (laughs) and, and just rushing through history. So we bought all these books, we read, you know, skimmed, (laughs) we skimmed through all of them and uh, basically validated the theory. They all are, they do a great job at teaching superficial history. None of them taught what I'll call substantive history, the ideas, the philosophies, the values, the concepts 
Um, we, we all know this quote that those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. The, the problem is we don't do anything about it, like nothing, because yeah. all of the history books out there just teach kids. They don't teach kids to learn from the past. They simply teach kids about the past. It's like we walk them through this museum and we're like, look at the uniforms they used to wear. Look, that was a musket they once used. Like, okay, great. Who cares? Time for the cafeteria, kids, you know, and we leave the museum. So I, I don't think history should be treated that way. I think history is rich with lessons for us. And I think today we're repeating a lot of the mistakes of the past because kids and adults, former kids, now voters, <laughs> never learned how to learn from history and say, hey, how about we stop repeating those mistakes of the past? How about we learn from what happened and then build a better world today? So the whole purpose of our book, uh, America's History, is to teach early American history from the perspective of kind of the, you know, free, loving, founding fathers, but focusing on the ideas. Yeah, we talk about what happens. We have to as a history book, but the emphasis is on the underlying ideas and how those ideas apply to our world. So after every chapter, it's like, okay, here's what we talked about. Here's an example of how it applies to our world. Let's talk about it. Let's think this through. And just to start to get kids to like flex the muscle of like, oh, this is the point of history. <laughs> this is why we <laughs> learn about what happens so that we can think about how to better improve things today. This is a, an approach that is entirely absent from all the textbooks out there, which is mind blowing because uh, frankly, if I put my tinfoil hat on, I feel like it's probably intentional that history is not taught this way because those in power don't want people to learn from the past. They want to be able to keep, you know, making their mistakes and doing their evil deeds. So it's up to us, you know, who want to push back against the crazy people like that, that we got to go out and hunt for history on our own and draw those lessons because the government school system is not going to help us. Well, I really think that the political climate that we're in right now, especially in the United States, is like a poster child for that statement that we need to be learning from our past. So I think it's great that you're tapping into an opportunity to help not only the children of our next generation, but also even us. Because I mean, I even know for myself that your programs have brought some awareness to some other things that I hadn't thought of like your most recent uh, Tuttle Twins chapter book, the boot, the boot camp, the twelve step boot camp. I yep. was re I was reading the definition on it, or the you know the not definition, the little blurb on it. You know that it was teaching you know not to be a victim and stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm going to grab this for my 14 year old son. Actually, loves your books. I mean, like. <laughs> I'm like, hold on. I was going to read that for class this week. And he's like, well, I just thought I'd read it ahead of time, you know? So I was like, well, I have to get this for him because not only will he love it, you know, being in that like 14 window right now, they're even the homeschool kids are just prone for that, like, you know, victim mindset and not that he is, but I mean, they're so susceptible to it. And so I grabbed the book for him and I was like, I wonder where this is based from. And then it actually led me to finding the 12 rules to life. And I've been reading it on my, on the plane the last few days <laughs> and really enjoying <laughs> it. Um, but I mean, I, I think you're kind of opening up a, I mean, for lack of better word, Pandora's box to really help everybody who like, you know, yeah, I was a public school 
student and I consider myself well-educated and, you know, went through college and was working on my master's, which I know you have some other views on college as well, but um, I was an ag major. So I'm going to, I feel more like that was a trade school, even though it was at a public school or, you know, (laughs) it's different. The ag schools, you're learning a totally different concept than you are if you're there as like a liberal studies or something. So for sure. Yeah. It's it's a much more hands-on. My concern is imagine if uh, if I bump into, you know, Joe uh, Q Public on the street and I say, hey, I've got this book It was written in the 1950s by uh, an award winning economist, free market economist. Uh, he won the Nobel Prize back when they used to give it out to, you know, free market economists and not the crazy ones today. Uh, F.A. Hayek. <laughs> and he wrote this book called The Road to Serfdom. And it's a warning about, you know, the dangers of socialism and collectivism and the importance of individual freedom. Hey, you should read it. If I give him the book, what do you think is the likelihood that Joe Q. Public is going to read this decades-old book with multiple syllable words? There's no <laughs> pictures. It's it's not written in this modern, dumbed-down, you know, simple style of reading. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's sub one percent. I mean, it, it, probably a fraction of a percent of people who would actually sit down and read that and apply themselves and and internalize the message. Okay, now by contrast. If I run into Joe Q Public and I say, hey, uh, do you think it's important for your kids to learn about how the economy works or about inflation or about importance of, you know, individual freedom? Oh, yeah, I want my kids to be well-rounded. I want them to, mm-hmm. you know, understand these things. Great. Here's a kid's book, The Tuttle Twins and the Road to Serfdom, that, you know, encapsulates the core ideas from F.A. Hayek's original book, but nonetheless is just a fun story. Um you know, go read it with your kids. And and the likelihood that that happens skyrockets. And and uh, and so what's amazing here is that for the adults, their barriers come down. They're the, kind of the barrier to entry. Their defenses come down. Whereas before, if I say, hey, invest in yourself by reading this book. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I've got all these things. Oh, I don't read books. I need a, you know, YouTube video instead. Or is it on TikTok or, you know, just a... Well, because everybody's attention, attention span. span. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, but by contrast, if I redirect it and I, it's about their kids, you know, I, I religiously watch Shark Tank. Uh, and it's so funny whenever there's a kid's product or a pet product, Mark Cuban will often comment how those are the two categories where people will spend indiscriminate amounts of money and, and energy because they want to care for their pets and their their kids, but they don't do it for themselves. People aren't as willing to invest in themselves. Which is actually kind and of so ironic because leveraging- that's one of the 12 rules of life. But <laughs> Right, exactly. Right. And so by leveraging that, we can actually get the parents to lower their defenses. They're doing it for their kids. Yet I can't tell you how many parents, I mean, probably more than half of the parents who get our books are learning new things for the first time mm-hmm. as a result of these books. And uh, and so I just think this has been a phenomenal way for us to reach not just the kids, you know, of, of people who already agree with us, but better educate the adults who maybe they sympathize with us or they're, you know, kind of like, but they, they can't really articulate these ideas that well. They couldn't defend them maybe in a debate. And now they have kind of the ability and the arguments to start doing that. Well, I mean, I love that because, for example, in our household, my husband's a disabled vet and has very strong views on certain topics, but doesn't always know how to articulate them because... I mean, his whole education system was learning how to drive a tank. And so he wants to be able to teach our children these concepts, but 
his way is a little more crass than I would probably Mm -hmm. want them to be taught most of the time. But Mm -hmm. I I think it really gives them talking points together. Well, and that's ultimately what we're after is conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, I've spoken a lot of homeschooling conferences over the years. And one of the, the big patterns I've seen is burnout from moms who feel like they need to be in a, in a vast encyclopedia of knowledge. In other words, oh, I got to teach biology now. I suck at science. What am I going to do? Oh, I've you know my writing isn't that good. I'm an English teacher now. Oh, I'm the math teacher. Man, I struggled with math. You know, over and over. And they feel like they have to be the kind of fountain of knowledge on all of these topics to adequately teach their kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like pulling my hair out. I'm like, Moms, you're doing it wrong because your kids need to see you as a as a student. They need to not see you as the teacher, but teach them lifelong learning. They to, exactly. They need to understand that we as adults don't know everything. We're always still learning. How much better if the, your kids come to you and ask you a question, instead of just giving them the answer and sending them on their way, you say, mm-hmm. well, I don't know. Let's let's go research that. And your your daughter watches you Google it or go to, you know, uh, Wikipedia, you know, whatever you're going to do, look up some YouTube videos. When she starts to realize, oh, when I have questions, I can go to these sources and find them out rather than let me just go to the authority figure in my life and they'll give me the answer that I need. And so I tell every mom, I'm like, look, you can all Google like experts. All of you can, right? Like, <laughs> and so don't worry about being a source of knowledge. Instead, show your kids where you can find this knowledge and then learn alongside them and be open and say, I don't remember this. It's been a long time. Let's learn the quadratic yeah. equation together. <laughs> and uh, and I just I just feel like so many families struggle because they're trapped in this mindset because they largely are products of the public school mm-hmm. system, this very authoritarian approach. And so they bring that bias to what they do in the home. That's why I don't even like the term homeschooling because I don't want to school in my home. I want home education, lifelong yes. learning, right? I I, and so even the term homeschool, I kind of bristle at from time to time, <laughs> just reinforces this, this uh, problematic approach to what true learning is. And so we're trying to get away from all that with the Tuttle Twins. We don't have formal curriculum. It's not all structured. There's no quizzes. There's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, here's all this stuff. Let's have a conversation. Let's spark debate. Let's, to your point, go read the original books that ours are based on and, and learn you know, more deeply about it. That's the kind of stuff that we're after. Oh, I really love that. I um, I learned as a science major, you don't have to know the answer to everything. You just have to know where to find it. And that's something I do with my kids a lot when they have those types of questions. I, I don't just say, hey, let's Google it together with my 14-year-olds. I tell them where to go find it and tell them to come teach me. Even if nice. I know the answer, I just want to make them do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, great. you know, of course, the Tuttle Twins is kind of your, I mean that's really what put you on the map, I think, as far as outside of your um, political arena. But tell me a little bit about like Libertas Institute and like some of the other books that you've written. Sure. So 11 years ago, I started a nonprofit Libertas Institute to fight for freedom. I had volunteered at a few organizations, couldn't really uh, find any that were my home or that I thought were effective. Uh, so I started my own. I had no clue what I was doing. I uh, still don't most days. And, well, uh, you know, 
Uh, welcome to that, that's my that's my um, first rule of parenting i'm gonna mess it up every day so if you're willing to work with me as my child then i think we'll get along great <laughs> yeah totally and uh i should say that to my employees too uh we got <laughs> gosh 78 people on our team now and Wonderful. Uh, we work all over the country we've changed over 100 laws like 10 of them are the first of their kind in the whole country so as a think tank, our, our primary focus is changing laws, where we build campaigns and projects to try and influence public opinion or legislators' opinions and say, hey, this is an important bill, let's repeal that law or let's get this better law passed. And so that's my day job is uh, kind of fighting for freedom in the trenches. We work primarily in our home state of Utah uh, with the state legislature, but then now we work across the country where We'll take the successes that we've had, the policy successes, and we'll go help other states replicate those in um, in their states as well. Everything we do is at a state level. We don't touch uh, almost nothing federal, uh, just because I don't really think much is going to change there. It's very difficult to, to have change. But at the state level, it's much easier. Um, and that's kind of where we focus. Um, I My motto- I wish more children yeah. could hear that. Um, you know, I sometimes the conversations we have at home is we want to help make a change, but we don't know how to start that change. I mean, we're, we literally live in a town of like 1500 people in North Idaho, you know, like how everybody in our town thinks the same way we do. How do we make that change? And I think, you know, whether it's, you know, us as parents or adults in our community, but I feel like a lot of kids don't know how to make a positive change either. So, I mean, I almost like, do you have a book on that? Like, <laughs> like, like how do you I, uh, rally I, the troops? Yeah. I've talked about that on podcasts before. I haven't written about it, but here's the nuts and the bolts. Um, first off, you know, like with anything else, kids model behavior. So if they see mom and dad just shaking their fist at the TV or at their phone, right. And then moving on with their day, we're teaching our kids that we are, you know, passive, um, you know, sideline observers of what's going on in the world, uh, versus, you know, Go to a town council or city council event and start attending them and seeing what's going on. Join your local community Facebook group where people are talking about, you know, what's happening uh, at the local level. What I typically recommend to people is uh, ask the mayor or a city councilor or your state senator or someone to lunch. Uh, or better yet, organize a cottage meeting with a dozen people at your home and ask them to come speak for half an hour and answer questions. These are politicians with big egos. They love talking to people. <laughs> and then if you put together a cottage meeting and let them just come blab for a while, suddenly they see you as a connector. They see you as someone that they should pay attention to. Because for all they know, you may be able to gather a, a massive group. You're a, you're a kind of community activist. And so they see you differently. And now you can follow up with them. Hey, good job on voting for that. I really appreciate that. Or just starting to build a relationship. Everything in the media and you know politics it all boils down to relationships who knows who that's mm -hmm. why lobbyists are so impactful because they spend their entire job just going to like golf tournaments for random senators or stalking them on facebook so that they can tell them oh hey i hope your eight-year-old daughter had a great birthday you know next time they see them just what are the things where they can, you know, build these relationships and they do that day in, day out. And that's why over the years, they know all these people really well. And so they can get done a lot more of what they want just because they're friends with these people. The problem for the lay person, like, you know, you or your kids or 
others listening is that you got day jobs, you got families you're taking care mm-hmm. of. You're not in the trenches full time. So the second, so that's the first thing, start to build a little relationship, even with one elected official, you know, take them out to lunch, cottage meeting, something small like that. See where it goes, see where that kind of spills over and other opportunities. Um, the, the second thing, uh, I'll encourage all your listeners to go to spn.org. This stands for State Policy Network. And this is a, kind of a national group where think tanks like mine are uh, all kind of members of the State Policy Network, spn.org. And so when you go there, you can click on directory, you can click on you know, your state, and it will show you the groups in your backyard working at a state level uh, on uh, fighting for freedom. SPN is a right of center organization. So all the groups are kind of conservative, libertarian, free market. Um, and so that's a great way if, you know, you got a listener in, I don't know, Ohio, uh, boom, click Ohio. And uh, suddenly they see what the groups are. Go follow their social media, join their email list, see if they're doing any events coming up reach out to them and say, Hey, do you ever do any like citizen training or, you know, how can I volunteer, bring my kids to something, you know? And so just reach out to the groups that are in your backyard and connect with them. They're the ones like lobbyists, you know, that's their, their job. These organizations are spending all day, you know, every day uh, working in the trenches to fight for freedom. And so the more people that reach out to support them, the better. Uh, and that's a good way to get connected with the people who are, who are doing the work in your community and uh, could use more volunteers and supporters. That's great. I I mean, I, I know for myself, taking I take my, my two 14-year-olds with me to all the conferences and events that I go to so that they can hear me speak and meet with people. And I've seen their networking go through the roof. I mean, I went to a really small conference this last weekend and all the other vendors were coming up to me, telling me to tell my son hi, because they got to meet him at the last conference. I was like, wow, that's really awesome. And they were telling me these great conversations they had with him in regards to his dairy cow, because that's all he cares about. But I just, I was really proud of him to be able to go out and make those contacts where people were coming up to me and wanting to make sure that he got a hello from them. So that was pretty, yeah. So I, I definitely see how having those conversations and exposing your kids to those scenarios was is really <clears throat> it's beneficial and it opens them up to feeling comfortable in those situations as well. So, yeah, I mean, go go attend a rally or a protest or go to a uh, a hearing at the state capitol when the legislature's in session. Uh, you know, find the meeting that's important to you. If if you're an ag state, you know, there's an agriculture board and they're in there you know, debating different things. Go, go, go attend stuff. Go, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it, you can even do Zoom for a lot of them. But, you know, you take your kids along. That's so smart. Like the more kids can see us modeling behavior, the more likely they're going to do it. Uh, so it's one thing to sit around and read some Tuttle Twins books and talk about <laughs> the concepts right? But beyond that, it's like, then what? What's the point of learning all this stuff? It's like with history, like we talked about earlier, the point learning history is to improve our lives today, make better decisions. The point of learning about economics and free markets and private property rights and all these things is to act on it. And so the more our kids can see us modeling that, demonstrating that better. So that's just a couple of ways to get started. Little little cottage meeting, attend some meetings, um, find the local group in your backyard and and that'll be an easy way to dip your toe in the water. Well, I, I think there's a huge disconnect between 
I don't know if it started with COVID or if it's just kind of the electronics era in general, but everybody does everything behind a screen. They aren't getting connected anymore. And so, I, yeah, I think that's great to just get them, even if it's just a small town council, like getting them out and doing those types of things. I know, I mean, when I was a kid, that was more common, but I was also really involved in 4-H that pushes kids into these situations, which I still do with my children. But um, I think breaking that disconnect is going to be a huge key to that. Yeah. So um, one of the questions that I've been really wanting to ask you, because I, I see this a lot in just kind of the homestead homeschool world is the fact that we are on the edges of kind of like, you know, you're kind of a pioneer on teaching outside of the socially acceptable norms And that's where so many of the homeschoolers and homesteaders just hang their hat. What kind of backlash do you see in marketing to the children? Like, I mean, because for lack of a better word, I was trying to think of what other synonym I wanted to use. I feel like you use a pretty aggressive marketing, especially what I see online. And I see it as a positive because it needs to be you need to get people's attention and be like, Hey, we need to fix this. But what kind of backlash have you gotten from that? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's an interesting question because um, I think early when we started, we weren't as aggressive uh, in the early years, but um, as time has gone on, our marketing has gotten a little more, a little bit more bold, maybe is the the word in yeah. our, our claims and our arguments. And um and what's interesting about that is it's kind of been at the same level with which the left has kind of gone crazy with all of their children's stuff, the Nickelodeon and the Peppa Pig, the Blues Clues, the Highlights Magazine is all woke now, the anti-racist baby book, the LGBT crap going on. Like, And so all of a I sudden- I feel like we aren't even allowed to this... talk about that. Like, are we even allowed to say that that's like bold? <laughs> Depends if you want your podcast canceled or not. I'll, I'll leave that up to you, whether you want to talk about it. But, uh, you know, and, and so that has like really grown in the past few years. And so too has our the boldness of what we're doing. I think not because of that or not, but I, I see them as kind of parallel courses. My the, the big reason why we're so bold in our marketing is, uh, is honestly because we're mission driven. And what I mean by that is this. Um, I know, having done this for years, the impact that our Tuttle Twins books can have on kids. Parents have shared stories up the wazoo. I get them every day via email and text and everything else. And so I know that this works. I know that this is making an impact. I know that families deeply appreciate the light bulb moments and the ahas that their kids are having. And then I also know that we've reached a tiny fraction of all the kids out there. And that if we really want to save the world, we really want to change things. I need to sell not 4 million books, but 100 million books, and I need to scale this thing big. So consequently, in a crazy you know, world full of ads and short attention span and TikTok videos and all the rest, because my mission is to reach and teach millions of kids because I know it will help them, um, I have to be a little bit bold to their parents and be like, look, I know you're getting 43 ads about all the things your phone heard you talking about the night before, right. you know, uh, in your family room with your, you know, your kids around and now you're getting all these ads. And I know I'm one of 43 ads, but it's really important to pay attention to this ad because here's what's going on. 
So we do have to get a little bit in your face because the competition is so high. There's so much noise in our world and it sucks in the sense that like, I don't want to contribute to that. And I don't want to like be part of that. But on the flip side, if it's like social media, if I didn't have the job I did, I would not be on social media. Um, I would love to quit it, but it's where everyone is. And I have a duty to, to engage with people where they are to get their attention and pull them over to something good. And so of necessity, I have to be in on social media. I, you know, I, I was I just saying today, I hate way. social media marketing and I wish I could just go to conferences every weekend because I'd much rather connect with people on a face-to-face basis than just be throwing ideas out to the electronic world. Yeah, it's a trade-off. I mean, the, the, the trade-off on the other side is scale. Like you'll never mm-hmm. be able to go to enough conferences to reach, you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of people with True, message <laughs> and 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 early on, I was content with that. I went to a ton of conferences, you know, for Tuttle Twins in the early days, you know, sitting behind booths, people would walk by, they'd have no idea, you know, who we were, what we stood for. So I put in the sweat equity, you know, early on to do all that. And then it got to the point where I realized I can take that same amount of money mm-hmm. and do some advertising and blow it up 5x over what I would at a co- But But then you miss the personal stuff. So it's kind mm-hmm. of a balance of like, you know, I, I, yeah, it's all trade-offs. I find but, talking um, to people's like my muse that gives me ideas and find out what people want. Totally. But I have a product that as soon as people see my cover, as they walk by me in a booth, they like flock to me because they want to know what it is like right off the bat, because it's really obvious. It's, you know, it says Homestead science and it's got a, you know, picture of a, a hay field, you know? And so it just draws cool. people in. So they're coming, you know, what is this? Tell me more. So that kind of in those type of conference settings, it, it is it's the word of mouth that helps right. me. But yeah, I could see if I just saw Tuttle Twins, I'd be like, oh, a storybook, you know, like right. <clears throat> so yeah. <laughs> um I, I feel like sorry, it was I think it was a little bit delayed right there. Okay. I uh I I feel like um it, it's been interesting when I've been at conferences in the past because again, like when I finally connect with someone and they, they get in and there's like, Oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? Why did I not have this a decade ago? You know? And, uh, and you know, I've gotten that enough over the years where I'm like, okay, I, I need to, I need to accelerate this. And the hard thing with, with online marketing is, or marketing in general is people usually, the number used to be seven. It used to be that you would have to touch someone seven times before they would take action. They'd have to see mm-hmm. seven ads or hear about it, you know, seven times. And uh, I've heard, and I don't know if people have done studies on this or whatever, that the number is way higher now. Just because I think I heard eleven so the last time. So, yeah. So it's it's tough. It's a you know game we got to play. We spend millions of dollars a year just on marketing the books, <clears throat> just to kind of get them out there and and get people off of their uh, like like when CNN attacked us a few months ago. It was funny that uh, we we shared this article far and wide with our email list and social media. We're like, look, guys, we made it. You know, CNN's <laughs> attacking us. They called us, you know, they said we were creating this right-wing children's education complex. And uh, and so we sold over 100,000 books as a direct result of that CNN article. And uh, You're like, thank you for the and, exposure and it, I needed. You just proved everything that I've been saying. And then I said, does anyone know any contacts at MSNBC to encourage them to, you know, pile on us as well so we can sell more books? Um, But it was so effective because it it got people off of the fence that, you know, people are fenced. Oh, I've heard good things about the books. Oh, I'll get around to it. Oh, 
you know, and so we have so many people like this who have heard about us those, you know, five, six, seven, nine times. They haven't yet purchased. They haven't yet committed. But then something happens like this CNN article and it just pushes them over the edge. Oh, wow. CNN's attacking it. Then, you know, I'm going to get it. And then, you know, they get it and then they're thankful they finally did. And it's just it's just pushing people over the edge. That's why you told me before the call that you got the Black Friday sale. Mm-hmm. You know, part of the reason why we run these like stupid, crazy sales where we're, we're basically breaking. Even. I mean, it's where we discount them so much. Uh, we are a nonprofit. So, after, you know, we're just trying to like break even on getting as many books out as we can. And so we do these crazy discounts because we know that they're so effective for people mm-hmm. to take action, get off the fence, get the books, because then the impact happens. They've invested a little bit of money. They've sacrificed maybe to make the expense. And so they're more committed to it. They're going to focus on it. They're going to use it. And then the impact happens. That's what we're after. And so sales like that are like also a good way just to be like, hey, guys, here's your opportunity. You know, go do it now. So it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I don't know, I just, I saw, I think the one, uh, your ad that stands out to me the most is always, which actually, hold on, I'm going to back up for a second. You stated they're calling you like the right-wing extremist. And the funny thing for me is I feel like in all of this crazy political climate that we've had over the last couple of years, I've always considered myself conservative. I grew up ranching. I'm a hunter. It just kind of puts me into that window right off the bat, but I always felt like I was more towards the middle. And with all the craziness that's happened over the last several years, I feel like you have to choose. You have to be one or the other. Like you can't be like, what is our other option? Because like, I'm not a white supremacist and um, I don't do whatever those other ones do. (laughs) And I almost feel like what you're teaching is like the third option that's a comfortable place where you're not crazy, but you can still have your conservative values. But anyways, that was just kind of, you you brought that up and I just wanted to, I don't know if you consider that a compliment or something to roll with, but I just felt like that's something I wanted to share with you. But so, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add briefly that I, I feel like that's intentional on our part. So I'm, I'm glad that you acknowledge it because what I've found is that left, right, you know, liberal, conservative, whatever, there's a surprising, uh, you know, the Venn diagram, depending on the issue, but overall, like as Americans or whatever, like there's a lot more overlap than we think there is. And we mm-hmm. have our fringe issues where we're never going to agree. We mm-hmm. have our polar opposites, no doubt, but, like with our think tank, I always prefer to focus on bipartisan type bills where I can get Democrats and Republicans and everyone to agree with what I'm trying to do rather than, hey, let's duke it out and go you know, <laughs> punish the other side. And so um, I think that's healthier for our society. I think it's more enjoyable right, for mm-hmm. me to spend my time working on positive, collaborative things rather than just engaging in this fight. And, and so that's something I want to teach kids, too, is like here are ideas that are kind of common sense. There's something that lots of people from different perspectives can agree upon. Um, and so I'm, I'm glad you called that out because that's something we've been trying to angle for. I, I really like that. It's it, it feels like a like an education-based political stance versus all these crazy feelings back and forth and finger pointing. So I really appreciate that. But cool. yeah, I think one of your ads that really stood out to me is, you know, are your children being brainwashed? And, you know, I I see it over and over again. And every time I see it, I, yes, or, you know, 
my kids probably aren't so much at this point, although I do allow, you know, now that I have some older teens, I allow them to have cell phones. So they're on YouTube and that type of stuff, but I'm not monitoring every single thing that they watch because that's part of giving them their free reign and then teaching. But yeah, our children are being brainwashed. And that question asked me, like that question kind of came up again, like, is he allowed to say that? And I, I think, you know, that's just, you know, we, we see such a different climate. And like I said, we live in such a community that everybody agrees with us where we can speak as freely as we like. What's it like they're out in the bigger world? Well, what I'll say might qualify what you just said that I don't think because of the digital age that we're in that anyone is going to be isolated from the broader kind of media and culture and values being pushed all over social media and the mm-hmm. internet and, and everything else. So, you know, I, I was speaking with a, on the radio in some super conservative Texas town a few months ago, and we were talking about the history book. And I was explaining that there's this problem with these books. Oh, that's in the liberal California schools. We here we have a conservative school board, and you know we're a conservative town. Like, yeah, but the, the way teachers works, might be different, towns, but the content's the same. Well, yeah, the teachers might be different, but typically the schools buy the same exact textbooks mm-hmm. that are being pumped out for the California market and the bigger markets. And so you might have a good teacher, but they're using the same <laughs> the same content. Maybe yeah, they'll filter. Yeah, maybe they'll filter some things out, but often not. So even if your kids or whoever's kids are growing up in some rural place or we got a good family, they're still going to go out there in the world and get exposed to all kinds of other conflicting ideas. And so my message to parents is one of intentionality. What I mean by that is, you know, if your kids are, you know, joining the army, you don't want them being sent to wherever, Middle East or some, you know, combat zone without body armor right? And a gun and without clearly understanding the rules of engagement, who the enemy is, when they can defend themselves. Like you want your kids to be prepared and protected and armed and knowledgeable uh, so that they can survive that. So the message uh, that I share is that your kids, everyone's kids are in a combat zone every day. They are on a psychological battlefield. They are the targets of prey for people who see them either for their corporate interests or their political interests as pawns, as raw material, as impressionable taxpayers, as people to be persuaded. And if you don't know that your kids are are basically ground zero for this intellectual battlefield, then you've already lost because you will lose you will lose every battle that you don't know is being fought. It's like wandering out there in the East and like you have no armor, no gun, no, nothing. And then you get shot, you know, like what's the point of going there to begin with? So intentionality, right? It's that there are evil forces and, uh, you know, corrupt people and power mongers and, you know, all these people we could talk about for a while. Uh, but there's all <laughs> these people who are pushing bad ideas and, their success requires them to draw in the rising generation. It's why authoritarians throughout history have always gone after the kids. I have a new book coming out uh, next week for parents. Glenn Beck wrote the foreword. It's called uh, Children of the Collective. And it's all about, it's on Amazon. It's all about this, that all throughout history, collectivists have always gone after the kids. Always. Why? It's because their success requires them to brainwash the rising generation to support the ruling state. And so then in the book, I say the same thing is happening today. 
like in the land of the free, like we're not exempt from this trend. And so wow, how is I... it happening today? So then I, I talk about in the book how it's happening today, what it looks like, and then uh, more importantly, what can we do about it? But the first thing before you can do anything about it is you got to know this is even happening. You got to know that there are people out there trying to come after your kids with these garbage ideas. What does it look like? What are they? Who is the enemy? How do we fight them? And how do you equip your kids with the, the kind of proverbial you know, intellectual body armor and weaponry? How do, how do you help them understand who the enemy is, when, it, when they need to defend themselves, when they can attack? Uh, it is a psychological war right now. And there's so many casualties because so many people don't even realize what's going on. Oh, I agree 100%. That was actually going to be my next question is how do we arm our kids? But I think I'm just going to go ahead and link your book in the show notes and get it on order myself because I'm excited. And, um, you know, I, I think I could sit here and pick your brain forever, but I think I'll just have to like invest in your books and maybe we'll get a chance <laughs> to chat again one day in the future. Um, looking at the time, I think we should probably wrap it up, but I have a question that I ask all my listeners. My goal with my podcast is to help everybody learn to grow their own food and grow as a person. So I'd like to find out what you think, what your idea of keep growing is. I don't believe that stasis exists. There is no status quo. There is no, um, you're never staying at the same level. You're, there's either growth or decay. That's all there is. Um, and so if we're not growing, if we're not enriching ourselves, if we're not striving to be greater, if we're not, uh, like I said with Joe Q Public earlier, right, who won't invest in himself, but he will invest in it. Like if we're not investing in ourselves and trying to grow, we're decaying. Uh, 40 years ago, this group of education reformers met. They were called the National Commission, National Commission on Excellence in Education. They spent 18 months going across the country, reviewing public schools, curriculum, teachers. They're trying to understand how was American education doing. 18 months later, they produced this report called A Nation at Risk. This was April 1983. And in the report, they said that America's educational foundations are being threatened by a rising tide of mediocrity. And that if a foreign government had attempted to impose upon us the very mediocre education performance now exists today in 1983, <laughs> we might well have viewed it as an act of war. As it stands, we have allowed this to happen to ourselves. That was 40 years ago. When I share this, I, I do a lot of public speaking. I, I often will share this story. I say, raise of hands, anyone in the audience want to make the claim that the education education system is better than it was 40 years ago. I've never had in all my time, anyone asking this question, someone bold enough to, you know, uh, raise their hand. And, uh, and, and that to me is the problem. We have decayed. Our education system has been dumbed down. You know, you go look at eighth grade tests from a century ago and most adults, you know, probably almost all adults could not pass an eighth grade exam from a century ago. Things have decayed. And, mm -hmm. and that's the new normal. That's the acceptable, like you can get, you can be a straight A student in a dumbed down education system. Doesn't mean you're that great. You're, you know, being graded on a curve compared to a lot of mediocrity. So I tell me, my kids a lot, don't celebrate mediocrity. 100%. And our society does. Mm -hmm. And so to me, keep growing means we got to recognize that mediocrity is not sufficient. We got to rise above you know, all of our peers, we've got to invest in ourselves. We don't want to be part of this slow decay that's happening all around us. 
Um, and that requires diligence. It requires intentionality. It requires uprooting things, you know, and identifying what we need to fix or change. And um, it, it's just got to be an eyes wide open process because the antithesis, the opposite, it's just going along with society. It's being swept to and fro with every different public opinion that's happening. And I don't think that way leads to freedom or peace or prosperity or happiness. Uh, so, yeah, keep growing to me means uh, stay away from decay. Wonderful. I love it. Um, where can everybody find you? Where do you want them to find you? Um, so if you're interested in the Tuttle Twins books, those are all at TuttleTwins.com. Uh, up in the menu at the top, it's got all the different books that we have. If you're interested, It'll be linked like, in the show notes book, as well. Perfect. So my website is ConnorBoyak.com. That's just a little one pager all about me. I've got a whole lot of books that you can see there at the bottom, uh, like Children of the Collective, which comes out next week. I've got a bunch of other books. Uh, my big one for homeschoolers is called Passion Driven Education, how we can use kids' uh, children's interests to build a little curriculum around what they're passionate about to inspire them to love learning. So you can find all those books at uh, connorboyak.com. And then while I can point you to Libertas Institute, which is libertas.org, what I will reiterate is better to go to spn.org. Go find the group in your neck of the woods. Go reach out to them, connect with them. And I think that'll be a good first step to start to get involved. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And, um, you know, just can't wait to see what you come out with next. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? Please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing!